Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll with your host. And, and my name is Chip Chantry. <laughs> with your host, Did Chip I Chantry, and, uh, and me, Ken Krantz. Thank you for having me. We have a guest this week. Chip, would you like to introduce our guest? I would. Uh, your guest this week is Philadelphia's preeminent quizzo host, and he's been so for the past two decades. He's a writer. He's a comedian. He's part owner of a vintage sports apparel shop called Scheib Vintage Sports. He's co-host of the podcast, The Philly Blunt and Worthless Knowledge. And one time he made me dress up like a pirate in a planetarium to do a Karate Kid themed quizzo in front of a bunch of families who spoke very little English. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Johnny Goodtimes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I don't want to get ahead of uh, ahead of what we're doing today in terms of the topic. But uh, let's just say a guy that I'm a, a big fan of and uh, looking forward to telling you, spreading all of my expertise on this particular gentleman. Well, that's great, Johnny. We, we appreciate it. And we're looking forward to your expertise on our uh, on our on our topic this week. Uh, I should say Johnny and I started in comedy together. We took a comedy class uh, back many, many decades ago. Thirty five years ago, I think, Johnny, forty five yeah. Uh, alt six. Uh, yeah, we took a, uh, we took a comedy class together and we've look how far we've come. Yeah. And now look at us. And and now look at you guys on a zoom podcast together. Yeah. 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 And like, uh, talking about, uh, Texas Western swing music of the 1940s. I think that this is really (laughs) like when we started, this was the ultimate goal. And so for a little bit, if we, if we have a little bit of a swagger today, if you see a certain, see a certain arrogance just sort of emanating from Chip and I, you'll know why it's because those dreams we had four and a half decades ago of one day talking about 1940s Texas uh, swing, uh, are coming true. Okay. So so we're, you, we're like Jack Nicholson in the front row of the Oscars. Like, that's the vibe that we're putting on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is everything that you've done has led you up. It's been preparing you and leading you to this moment. That's correct. That's uh, exciting. Correct. Yeah. We, Johnny and I, we've had a lot of bad times and. Well, OK, go ahead. So go ahead, Ken, whenever, so, uh, whenever you want to. Before get we start, I just wanted to tell you a quick, funny story. I almost had us what I thought was going to be the most interesting guest. Uh, not not for this one, Janet. Don't feel slighted. But yeah, I, I, I don't say, man, that certainly didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> I meant for for a different episode. So the other the other day, um, a, a pump in my toilet broke at my house, uh, the basement right. toilet, a pump broke and it started leaking sewage into my boiler room. So we had to have some guy come out and give us an estimate for cleaning up like all this uh, shit water in in my basement. And uh, in my basement, I have a bunch of framed comedy albums lining the walls, but like albums that I listened to as a kid. So he starts talking to me. He, he sees the albums and he's mentioning how much he loved comedy and how he would have been a comedian, uh, but he didn't. He, he wasn't funny, so he went he, in his younger days. He went the musician route. Okay. So I was like, "Oh, that's so funny!" Because I would like if I had any musical talent, I'd be a musician. It's like the same conversation uh, Chip and I have had on here a hundred times. And um, so he starts telling me, "He's like, oh, it's weird. I used to be in a band." but you've probably never heard of them. 
So I said, well, what band were you in? He was like the brand new heavies. I was their original singer. What? Yeah. He said the brand new heavies started and I was like, I've heard of them. I've seen them in concert. I have their albums. And uh, he told me he was the original lead singer. They were like, he said they were more like the commitments. They were like a Scottish R&B band doing, (laughs) doing like Motown covers and shit. And uh, he sang for them. And then they met Nadea Davenport, who, you know, um, is is now I don't even know if they're still in existence, but she she became their like famous lead singer. And um, this guy went from he got bounced out of the brand new heavies. They sat him down one day. They 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 showed him her singing with them like he had like he went to rehearsal and watched her sing. And they were like. Yeah, we don't need you anymore. And oh my God. now he's giving estimates on cleaning up uh, sewage. And I was like, so I started talking to him and I'm like, you must have the craziest stories. That's so wild. These are the kind of stories I'm looking for. I have this podcast. I would love for you to come on, like, come on and talk about the brand new heavies. And yeah. I thought it could be funny because maybe they're, you know, maybe he'd be like all bitter about it. But um, from music making to shit cleaning. Yeah. And well, the he, highs and lows of the music industry are truly wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's got to be right. Like you see, like you're just banging around playing in pubs and shit. And then you get thrown out of this bar band and then they go on to become the brand new heavies. And now you're giving fucking like podcasters estimates for cleaning up their basement. <laughs> and then I was like, you should come on. And 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 he was like, well, I, I was like, tell me some of these stories. And then he was like, well, I don't think I'd be very interesting. And I was like, no, you definitely would. And, but then he started telling me these stories. And I was like, oh, no, you're not interesting at all. <laughs> these, <laughs> these stories. I went from like, oh, my God, I got to call Chip. I got us the original lead singer of the brand new heavies. But then yeah. halfway through, I was like, oh, that's why this guy is uh giving shit estimates now when he hears this podcast he's gonna be very very mad and sad he's never (laughs) there's no way he'll do this the good news is nobody hears this podcast which which that that's hey i listen i'm not nobody (laughs) thank you kahana um well since nobody's uh listening maybe i I, if i could share a real quick story that's uh sort of ties in with the one you just shared greg um i uh at one time was um I was dating a wonderful young woman and she was a bartender and she was working one night and I went by the bar and she's like, here, take my keys. You know, I'll meet you back at the house after uh, I get off work. So I go to her, um, I go to her home and um, I know she's not going to be there for a while. I think to myself, I'm going to use the bathroom. Uh, So I use the bathroom and then apparently somehow I don't know if it was when I was going in there or whatever, but somehow like a uh, there was like a, a shelf above the toilet and something had fallen off the shelf uh, and it hit the toilet unbeknownst to me. So that when I flushed the toilet, it exploded um, and the front of the toilet basically just opened wide. And, uh, you know, kind of going back to your point about sewage all over the floor, uh, this was a woman I had just recently begun dating and her entire bathroom was then covered in sewage. 
which I then spent the next hour and a half trying to clean up before she got home and could not get done. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, when I say the entire toilet exploded, I mean the entire toilet exploded. And uh, thankfully, she had a pretty good sense of humor uh, because that was pro- that was definitely like top three most embarrassing dating stories of all time was when uh, uh, like I was excited because this is like the first time she had like just given me keys to the house. Like this was like yeah. big step in the relationship type stuff. This wasn't a long term girlfriend. This is somebody I've been dating for probably like two months. Finally gave her the keys to the house and I blew up her toilet. Literally. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is when you started telling that story, I thought you were going to tell the story of the bartender who turned out to be somebody. But it was just a right. shit story. Like I thought you were I thought you were gonna get to the end, you're gonna be like, and that bartender was Selena <laughs> Gomez. But <laughs> and that bartender is how I met was. Uh, no, but I do are you still uh, well, are you still dating her? No. No, <laughs> she didn't have that good a sense of humor about it. No. No, she she thought longer and harder about the whole situation and said, you know what, maybe not. Uh, she wisened up, as you might say. Um, I did, however, one time do karaoke to uh, I think we're alone now when I worked in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the song was over, a gentleman in the crowd, uh, this was like an outdoor bar and a gentleman in the crowd walked up and he goes, "Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but I used to be a member of the Shondells and I've never heard that song performed like that before. No and it was like me and a buddy being silly, like, you know, we think we're alone now, tumble to the ground. And then we both tumble to the ground like that whole thing. Yeah. And the guy yeah. was like, yeah, I've never seen that song performed like that. I was like, what? You were in the Shondells. He was like, yes. But just to be clear, just when they first started, like I wasn't there for Crimson and Clover. Like I was just there as like an original member of the band. And it was like, whoa. That's incredible. Uh, I should say Johnny's past life before he moved to Philadelphia to become a comedian and quizzo host. He was uh, he and swam with Cooley the- and Spade Cooley expert, Chip. If I, if well, I obviously, yes. Spade, Spade Cooley uh, <laughs> enthusiast historian. Uh, he he lived in Hawaii and swam with dolphins for a living. That was his job. He swam with the dolphins as he was like a, a not a trainer, but a. He would swim when you go to swim with dolphins, you pay lots of money to go swim with dolphins. Johnny was your liaison, and he gave all that up to come talk about Spade Cooley on Zoom. Yep. So here we are, all leading to this moment. Greg, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Greg? Wait, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny like, doesn't know where he I is. sat there he for a minute and I was like, yeah, Greg. I'm like, am I Greg? And that's why Johnny's a star. <laughs> I was like, what's Greg's problem? I haven't we gotten started on this yet. <laughs> Sorry, I thought Greg was coming on. Oh, <laughs> uh, Greg will be here in a little bit. I told I, I told him that uh, Greg would be here later. So let's just <laughs> let's just wait to see if somebody named Greg shows up. Uh, well, no, no time like the present, I'd say, to uh, mm-hmm. to dive right into this. Are, are we ready to do this, Ken? Let's do it. All right. Well, once again, I, I don't want to overhype this. I don't want to be a Jerry Brandt again. But what started out is like, oh, this seems like a silly little story. This one seems almost like a fluff piece. It's going to be goofy. Turns out to be a crazy, crazy story. Yes. That hopefully everyone will enjoy as much as we all enjoyed going into this. 
I don't think any of us really knew who this gentleman was before a week or so ago when we, when we started jumping in. And that's why I love this podcast, because we're we're learning about all this information. I, I never heard of this guy either. And it wasn't the case of like where when we did the Joe Bryth episode where it was like nobody like this guy was fucking huge. And he I was, never he heard was of him. One of the biggest music and television stars of the 1950s. Yes. Like everybody well, I mean, knew who this guy was. What? You may be surprised to hear it coming from me as a Spade Cooley expert, but I had never heard of him either. <laughs> okay. So, oh, so Johnny, so what you're saying is that you are more recently a Spade Cooley uh, historian. Yes. Yeah. Just okay. within the last uh, uh, last few days. Um, just, okay. Jumping very, on this. Very intensive, deep study. I was in the mountains um, and it was, uh, <laughs> I was, was sort of a shaman type character. Um, Great. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty well versed. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So, uh, th- yeah, the gentleman that we're going to be talking about this week uh, is known, even self-proclaimed by some, but by others, he was also known as the King of Western Swing, and his name is uh, Mr. Spade Cooley. Spade Cooley. Now, before we get into Spade, Spade Cooley, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So he's oh, actually oh, not oh, here, Johnny. Yeah, yeah neither. Well, neither that's, he, that's him. He, that's him behind you, though, right? Yeah. See, that's, yeah, that's, that's him that's uh, with with fade. with Greg. And I do want to say, uh, I do want to say that unfortunately, um, because of some scheduling conflicts with my shaman, um, I only got up to 1961 in Spade's story. So I'm not okay. going to be maybe for the tail end. I might not be as uh, reliable of a source, but I do want to okay. say up through when we, I was able to do my study, what an incredible American, what a true uh, testament to grit and determination and the American dream, really. What a man. Well, great. And I, and I think you will uh, you'll you'll keep that <laughs> that that thought, that notion throughout the rest of this podcast, Johnny. So so buckle up, buddy and everybody else. So mm-hmm. so, so Western swing music. First of all, let's kind of talk into that. I think it's exactly what you would expect. It was in the 30s and 40s and 50s. It was basically swing music, a swing band with a Western tilt to it. They put a, an accordion, a slide guitar in there uh, that that made it feel like a country Western music. So it's definitely just a nice mashup between country and Western and the big band music of the day. Right. And they were taking like instead of horn sections, they were using string sections. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so now let's go back to uh, 1910. In Grand, Oklahoma, uh, uh, reportedly it, by one source, I saw that uh, Spade Cooley, born Donnell Clyde Cooley, was born in a tornado cellar in Grand, Oklahoma on December 10th, 1910. So he's born. He's a quarter Cherokee Indian. Uh, his family moved him, uh, moved the family to, uh, I believe it's Chimawa. Indian school in Oregon. So he does a lot of his schooling. They moved him from Oklahoma to Oregon, and he does a lot of his schooling in in the state of Oregon. In 1930, when he's about 20 years old, uh, the family moves to California during the Dust Bowl. All the Okies are coming through. People are, you know, obviously flocking to California. So he moves through there. He's a third generation violin player. His his dad was a was a violinist. He's he's a fiddle player as well. And um, apparently he arrived in California. He got he got very good at this. And that was his father's dream was for him to be sort of a concert violinist. But he went for the the country route. And according to the legend, 
Uh, Spade showed up in California, as we all do, with a fiddle under his arm and a nickel in his pocket. Johnny, how many times have you arrived to a new location with a fiddle under your arm and a nickel in your pocket? Well, uh, I have uh, I arrived in uh, this city after my work as a dolphin trainer, obviously uh, wealthy and famous beyond belief. So hard for me to relate uh, with uh, Spade Cooley, but I'm going to do my damnedest um, to talk uh, as if I am one of the Hoi Polloi. Okay, well, that's great. That's good. You know what Uh, I think, though, that they're not that they're not uh, a nickel back then, to be fair, in today's dollars was like eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. If you do the math, obviously, (laughs) Ken, I mean, that's what that's what we're dealing with. So he was a very, very rich man by having this nickel in in the early 1930s. I mean, this is the depression. You had a nickel. I mean, it's like you might as well have a yacht. And that's that's basically what it is. So, um, by the I way, a, any- I got a question, a serious question. Like, do you guys like when, when one thing I'm not really quite sure of, I don't know how much you guys are into this part of the music thing, but like in terms of the violin and the fiddle, like what's the difference? I think, um, I think like fancy people play the violin and then like country people play the fiddle. I don't think there's any difference. Yeah, I, think I think it's, it's the a, exact same instrument. I, yeah, I think it's a playing style. Yeah, it's just. I think it's how it's. It's, it's like. I think it's like the difference between somebody who calls it a remote control and somebody who calls it a clicker. Right. You know, like it's the same thing, yeah. but it's used for different things. If you call it a remote control, you're watching Netflix. You're watching Amazon. If you call it a clicker, right, you're watching old Columbo episodes. Right. Or it's you know, like so it's how insane, but you're getting different results. Everybody mm-hmm. in the civilized world calls sandwiches subs but you people in philly call them well like hoagies hoagies yeah hoagies i think it's the yeah. same yeah it's it's the same thing yeah because yeah we are we're depraved monsters in the city of philadelphia and <laughs> you know we're not we're not up to snuff well at least you know i think johnny would agree right no no that's fair i think it's totally fair yeah, i think it's fair, fair you guys fair. can't say it but chip and i can be yeah chip yeah. and i can say it. Yeah, you we, guys we, say it We'll we can meet you out in the parking lot. We'll meet you out in the parking lot with a couple of two by fours, and yep. let's see who fucking let's see who fucking comes away with that one, huh? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not trying to get aggressive. That's not how we are here. No. Sorry, no. And it wasn't. And it, it doesn't. It, aggression doesn't it, play into this story. It's. And I, and I will. Say, that's that's what I want to say, Johnny. I I think you should respect Spade Cooley's uh, memory and not be aggressive. Okay. Tone it down a bit. Yes, try to act like the man and be a little bit more respectable, just yeah. like Spade would handle yeah, in a calm, cool, and collected way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, apparently uh, Donnell got the nickname Spade by the uh, another legend that he drew a flush three times during an all-night poker game. Uh, and of course, they were all spades. Uh, people said that, and he would embellish the story. People say it's a 13,000 to one shot that that actually happened numerically. But anyway, he got the name Spade Coley. Um, it's throughout the 1930s in Southern California, he starts picking up regular gigs with country Western bands in, in the Los Angeles area. Uh, he's very good. He, he's, he's got a, He's got a great uh, he's a great fiddler. That's all I got to say. And he could sight read music really well. I mean, he was just really talented. So people could pick him up on gigs all the, all the time. And around this time, that's when Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys came from uh, the great state of Texas and uh, they arrived in L.A. and really made the cowboy craze what it was because uh, the Dust Bowl people were out there. There were uh, people from the military 
the, from Texas, from the middle of the country who were now on bases out in California and they wanted to hear their country music. So it became a real craze in the thirties and forties. And that's sort of when this Western swing music became really popular. Right. Had, um, now, had you heard of before that? Like, I know we were just like, nobody's heard of Spade Cooley. Had you heard of Bob Wills before this? I had not. I had heard the name. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's funny because um, I only heard that name. Merle Haggard had a song called Bob Wills is Still the King back in the 70s. And uh-huh. um, the Stones covered it. And I've watched the Stones cover it. They were playing in Austin, Texas. And they do this song, Bob Wills is Still the King, like on a concert video. So I've seen them play it so many times and um, had no idea any of the backstory. But apparently Bob Wills and Spade Cooley were like they were like the Biggie and Tupac of Western swing. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They just uh, uh, they clashed. They were the they were the two big names and they uh, they they needed to sort of set themselves set themselves apart uh, from each other. Um, and so uh, at- and I, you might have forgotten this, but Spade Cooley's agent was briefly Suge Knight. Yeah, yeah, that's that right. is true. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I don't think Wikipedia would lie. Uh, I mean, I mean, that studying up in the mountains, Johnny, has really been paying off. I mean, well, that's that's the, you're right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, why do you think? I mean, they were in California, uh, home yep. of Death Row Records, and uh, <laughs> yes. the whole thing is kind of came together. Yeah, no, Death, it makes Death Row Records now owned by Hasbro. Fun fact: Is that true? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Death Row Records is now home to the same people who own My Little Pony. Oh, that's Do with amazing. that as you will. God bless I, America. I'm that's into, great. Now, 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 when they dangle vanilla ice out the window, they can use that kung fu grip. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst joke I've ever said. I'm sorry. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, almost as much as people enjoyed Spade Cooley's fiddle playing. Oh, <laughs> that was good. That was he good. Ins- I'm a broadcaster now. So <laughs> Spade joined Jimmy Wakely's big band as a fiddle player at the Venice Pier Ballroom. And the Venice Pier Ballroom is going to play into this over the next couple of years uh, very prominently. It must have been a gigantic, gigantic place. Literally every th- Saturday night, literally thousands of people would come to dance at the Venice Pier Ballroom to see Spade Coley's band, to see Jimmy Wakely's band, to see these bands and uh, just thousands of people would descend upon this place. Just huge. They would go out dancing. That's what you did right. back in the day. Uh, Jimmy Wakely ended up getting a movie contract because, of course, Westerns are big. So Spade moved up and replaced him as the band leader. So he's the fiddle player and now the band leader. Uh, Spade hired Texas singer Te- Tex Williams, who they became partners for years. So Tex Williams was the, the main singer, baritone voice. Uh, They were boys for a while and they were in that. And the next 18 months was crazy. It's Spade Cooley and his orchestra, which I love that name, by the way, Spade Cooley and his orchestra, Bob Wills and his Texas players. I wish more bands today would have that possessive in there. Yeah. Like it's like Tom Petty and his heartbreakers. Like it just seems so much more. It's funny funny you say that my, my grandfather was a trumpet player. My grandfather led his own big band. And, really? and was known, my mom's maiden name's Karstadt, but his professional name was Cy Carr and his radio orchestra. Really? And I just, that just occurred to me now as you're 
Wow. It was his orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it would be cool. Like, I hope know, he like, let them know that. I, I don't. I didn't know my grand. He died when I was little, but I hope that he let them. Like, I hope that when he got them together, he was like, "I fucking own you." Just remember that. Yeah, you're yeah. my fucking I think, orchestra. I, think, I mean, that's how you assert dominance in the big band era. Yeah, it wasn't that, just Bill Haley and some comets. It was Bill Haley and his comets. These are my comets. Right. And then, you know, I remember and that and that, you know, that even comes into the modern era, uh, because I remember Rob Bass and his DJ Easy Rock. (laughs) Yeah, that's That's right. right. That's right. Just millions of examples. It goes up into the 80s. even. Huey Lewis and his news. I don't know if if Kahuna told you the news, but I actually had a meeting uh, with the guys at the studio. And from here on out, uh, this podcast will actually be called chip chantry and his i love rock and roll with ken krantz so, <laughs> i like it yeah, no, it rolls off i the feel tongue. i feel like it rolls yeah, off the tongue yeah 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 it has a little bit more zip to it i feel like than the current title <laughs> right so over the next 18 months when spade cooley gets his orchestra it's just this run of every saturday night at the venice ball venice pier ballroom and people are just he's on top of the world he's just making tons of money uh he gets his first hit called shame shame on you which was the first of six uh, straight top 10 singles. When returned, it was broken Hide your face, shame on you shame. So he's like on top of the music charts He starts uh, playing in, he started in some soundies Let's talk hold about on, soundies for a minute interrupt you for a second so the listeners just Please hold on to the fact that his first hit was called Shame, Shame on You yeah. Like there's for going it, to be a callback it, here with That's just dripping with irony well, I don't, I, I don't want to add too much foreshadowing, but uh, <laughs> doing my research, I found that the name of his last recording was You Clobber Me. <laughs> and I'm not making uh, that up. Oh, you can take your love and feed it. All those little white lies you told have turned to black. Now you can just subtract your love from me. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, a little more foreshadowing. Yeah, this is wow. This is uh, this. This is this is a lot of fun. Um, wait, so wait, let me hop uh, in, Chip, for a sec, because there was one thing that yeah. I wanted to. So I don't think you could underestimate how big this dumb western swing music was and he is now so successful that he can't keep up with his touring demands and um he'll start booking three and four shows across the country on the same night or across not not necessarily but across like the california area he'll book three or four shows the same night and what he did was he formed 
like two or three other bands of lookalikes and soundalikes. Like he found a guy that can kind of pass as him and sound like him. And he would send these second and third rate bands out to the less sophisticated towns where you can fool them a little easier. This dude had a second unit? He had... And they said at one point he had up to three and four. And we did, Johnny, we did uh, Millie Vanilli last week. This was like Millie Vanilli on steroids. Like he was sending out fake uh, Spade Cooley and his orchestras to towns across California. And just you weren't even seeing who you thought you paid to see. Uh, here's here's the irony is that I am somewhat of a Millie Vanilli expert. I went <laughs> a absolute deep dive of Fab Morvan interviews about a year ago. <laughs> well, you're going to love our yeah. most recent episode, Johnny. Oh, yeah, it's actually it's coming out tonight. I'm going to critique it. Uh, I'm going to give a lot of negative feedback on Yelp. Um, <laughs> that's, but, that's uh, what, yeah, yeah, if you're. If you're listening, just if you can give us as many negative reviews as possible, that's that's exactly yeah, what we're looking it. for. It keeps us honest. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he would literally just have these look like because this is back. This is back in the 40s. I mean, they don't have the Internet. They can't see where everybody's performing. They don't have all these pictures of everybody. Right. I mean, they're just a bunch of uh, yokels in these backwater towns that are like, look, a person in a cowboy hat. Yeah. That's Spade Cooley. Yeah. yeah. Right. So he, he he performed in these soundies too, which I love the name soundies, which were basically music videos before music videos. They're nineteen four. They'd be these like little like five minute videos where a guy would ride to town on a horse, and then it would just so happen that in front of the general store, the guy who owns the general store is playing his fiddle with seventeen of his friends who also have <laughs> instruments, and they would sing a song. Yeah, they so would crowbar in a musical number. Yes, yeah. like uh, these singing cowboy movies were huge. So it would always be like the hero would wander into a town and bump into his old friend Spade Cooley, who, yeah. like you said, who was there with the full fucking orchestra. They said yeah. at one point it was the biggest uh, band or orchestra ever assembled in country music. And then when you think that he was sending two or three different ones out a night, like, that's crazy what his payroll must have been like. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. I always, I always think about how the, like, the big band thing always blows my mind because I'm like, how much were tickets? Like 7,000 bucks? Like, how do you pay everybody? Because you're not just paying them for that night's concert. You got to put them in a hotel. You got to pay for dinner. You got to pay for their travel. Like, the, the, the cost of a concert with like 17 member orchestras has got to be, I and mean, when you're a traveling band, has got to be absolutely astronomical. Right. Right. Well, it, it, again, you can't um, I, I don't I, I don't know how to stress how rich and famous this dude was at, at the height. Um, they said it. he uh, by the late 40s, he was worth 15 million, which yeah. I mean, today being worth 15 million in your set back then, uh, I looked it up. It was the equivalent of 120 million in today's dollars. I looked up Nicki Minaj's net worth, like 80 yeah. million. Spade Cooley was bigger than Nicki Minaj in his time. Rihanna's net worth was 600. Uh, by the way, million. I think that 
I think that is our first T-shirt right there, Ken. Uh, that just and Johnny Johnny sells T-shirts. I think we can make this that just says Spade Cooley was bigger than Nicki Minaj. Right, mm -hmm. and I think it's yeah. important people remember that. Yeah, yeah. I'll take um, one in a four XL, please. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. It's the first one we're selling. Thank you. Um, so, so not only I mean, a, a much better looking, just a much better looking person too. I mean, you know, Nicki Minaj, whatever. Look at this guy. Look at that little wispy mustache. This guy so is a, this... five three. He had a little wispy <laughs> yeah. mustache. He had that slicked back, uh, enormous forehead. I mean, this was just a good looking fella. Just the, I think the most perfect, and and hopefully you guys will concur with me, the most perfect. A shit eating grin I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I've, I never saw a picture of this gentleman where he doesn't have the worst shit eating grin on his face. It's just, it, it you just want to slap the fiddle out of his, off of his chin. <laughs> it's the worst shit eating grin I have, I've ever come across in my life. And he just always looked dopey. He's like, he's, he's got his band and he's swinging his fiddle and his little bow and like doing his little, you know, in his little cowboy athlete with his rhinestones and just uh, with a shit eating grin the entire time. But people loved it because not only was he selling out these shows and multiple shows a night with all these different bands, he's in these soundies. He's in the movies. He appeared in 38 Western films. He started out with bit parts, but then they got bigger and bigger. He also actually speaking of shit eating grin, he actually looks a lot like Roy Rogers did, who of course was a huge star at the time. He would be a stand in for Roy Rogers a lot. So he started at that and then got bigger right. and was in him Western and, films. Him and Roy Rogers become very good friends. Roy Rogers was, you know, was as big as anybody could have been at that time. That that's why um, he had this shit eating grin. He was worth 15 million in like 1949. I'd have a shit eating grin too. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. That is true. Uh, he he got really close with Roy Rogers because not only was he doing that uh, dur during the day, being being in the movies at night, he was also a lot of times in Roy Rogers' backing band, uh, the Riders of the Purple Sage. And Ken was wasn't that your high school mascot, uh, the football team, the the Riders of the Purple Sage? Yes, yeah, the East Brunswick yeah. Riders of the Purple Sage. Of the Purple Sage, you had to say it in that whole thing. So. Um, so, yeah, he just he was just huge. So he's in all these movies, uh, you know, he's doing all these performances. So then he starts, you know, like he would do these songs where, like you said, the hero would come in and and meet his buddy Spade. And then he would play all of these, uh, you know, all, all, all of these songs. So um, he has his own variety show, right? On, in, yeah. In so, L.A. Yeah. So this comes out in 1948, uh, the debut of the Spade Cooley show, which was uh, KTLA in Los Angeles. Uh, but it's shown nationally through Paramount uh, and it runs from 1948 until 1956. It's broadcast from the Venice Ballroom. Uh, Frank Sinatra, I think Bob Hope, Dinah mm -hmm. Shore were all guests. So yes. you can get these it's, huge it's, names. It's a huge show in L.A. They said at one point it was estimated when that show was on every night, 75 percent of the televisions in L.A. were tuned to his show. Yeah, I mean, it was just he was just everywhere. Um, I've heard people he, say something similar about this podcast. When this podcast first goes live, 75% of all downloads yeah. are Pantry presents his I Love Rock and Roll podcast. With Ken with Ken Krantz and Greg. With Ken Krantz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the star power we're talking about right here. Wow. Um, 
Uh, by the way, uh, and just before he got the show in 1946, uh, well, so so by the way, so uh, Coley fired Tex Williams because Tex Williams is getting kind of big. He's the singer. Spade's just the band leader and the fiddle player. Tex Williams starts getting offers from other record labels and from other to record songs so he fires him and a bunch of the, his band members leave with tex williams because they like tex better they go with him but he rebuilt the band added a brass section and moves on and i just wanted to point out that tex williams went on then to have a hit with the song uh that we all know and love just a standard american tune uh, a song called smoke 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 that cigarette hey bud you got a spud no fool, but I got a cool. Now, I'm a fella with a heart of gold with the ways of a gentleman, I've been told. The kind of a fella that wouldn't even harm a flea. But if me and a certain character met, the guy that invented the cigarette, I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Now, it ain't cause that I don't smoke myself, and I don't reckon they hinder your health. I've smoked them all my life, and I ain't dead yet. But nicotine slaves are all the same at a petting party or a poker game. Everything's got to stop while they have that cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Which I, th- <laughs> I think we all, we all grew up singing. We all kn- love. I, we got to find that. We got to find that. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Just to show you how old I am, that used to be the chant we would do after we win our little league games. <laughs> Is that yeah? Yeah. Smoke that cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Johnny was actually I, I made myself. Uh Johnny was actually on a uh, little league team with the little rascals. We should mention that. That's part of his claim to fame. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so the Spade Cooley show uh, runs from nineteen forty eight to nineteen fifty six. Everybody knows him. He's just huge. He's on top of the world. He's got the equivalent of today's $120 million. Um, at one point coming up, he they had a battle of the bands between Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys right. and Spade Cooley and his orchestra uh, to who was, who was the king of Western Swing. Uh, right away, Spade Cooley claims that he was, and he's calling himself the, uh, the king of Western Swing. A lot of people said that actually Bob Wills won, and he deserves – to have that uh, nomenclature, right? Which will. is which is why I was bringing up that Bob Wills is still the king song. That it's so yeah. funny that I that I've been listening to this song for years with no understanding of the backstory. Now I find out just through the research in the Spade Cooley that it was like it was like a diss track. It was essentially a diss yeah. track that just didn't name Spade by name, but it was like no fuck you, Bob Wills, well, you know. It was it was country Once again, swing and Biggie, right there. Biggie. Right, right. Yeah, it was East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, yeah. So, but he's just he's just huge. He's everywhere. And this this big band, it's like it's got he's got singers. He's always got a female singer. He's usually got a male singer. Like, but he'll have like a harp, an accordion, slide guitars. Everybody wears these flashy cowboy outfits. He would go around the country and just hire these people, and, and you know, just kind of put him up, put him in a fancy cowboy outfit, and like really had. I mean, it was a tight band. It was a tight orchestra. That they, that they had. And he would always give them, there was always that gimmick though. He would give them fake names like Smokey Rogers, Carolina Cotton. You know, yeah. he would give them these cowboy yeah. names. Yeah. But it was like Matt Goldberg from Brooklyn. And he's right. like, oh, now you're, yeah. Now yeah. you're 
whatever. So by the late 40s uh, and early 50s, again, he's worth all that money. He's got a 50-foot yacht. He's got a 100 dis- different custom cowboy suits. He's got a big estate in Los Angeles, and he's built this ranch in the Mojave Desert, which is out in Eastern California, kind of between L.A. and, and Vegas. Um, and he, he had a wife. Um, and in 1945, uh, Carolina Cotton left the band, who was like the main singer, who was a great singer. But Spade hired 21-year-old Ella Mae Evans, a clarinet player who apparently couldn't sing very well, but she was this gorgeous blonde. So he's like, you're hired. And uh, the one thing about Spade Cooley, which sets him apart from most other very famous musicians, is that he wasn't the most um, uh, dedicated person to his wife at the time. Uh, uh, he, He slept around a little bit let's just say that i don't want to speak out of school but mm. that's what he did wow all right surprising. yeah uh, really- before, we move, before we move on to relationships um i do want to just <laughs> a statement for the record that if i ever tell you that i have a closet filled with 100 cowboy outfits yes then you'll you'll know that that is i have reached the mountaintop if okay. I ever say, yeah, Chef, Chip, I'm going into my walk-in closet. I'm going to pull out one of my 100 cowboy outfits. You'll know. You'll know that I've, okay. I've arrived. That's, okay. that's kind of like after being on this podcast, that's my next. I'm, I take everything as a series of goals. That's how I live my yeah. life. Next one is the so 100 what you're cowboy saying, So if when, when we have you on again, if you're not wearing a cowboy outfit, then we know things aren't aren't going the way you hope. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm a, you know, my motto is if you can dream it, you can do it. And uh, I'm dreaming it. And if I don't have a cowboy outfit, the next time you guys have me on, uh, it's going to be a really pitiful show. It's going to be just basically you guys trying to pick me up, pick me up off the floor. Okay. Um, All right. We could, we could do that. Yeah. Surprised by you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, We're here for you, Johnny. Okay, but let's um, get back. So, to uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it with your hundred uh, cow. Uh, how, how many? How many custom cowboy hats do you own now, Johnny? I should just so we know we get a baseline. Well, I'm at forty two now. Okay. Um, it's not just it's not just hats. We're talking full fledged outfits. The hats uh, match the sequin uh, shirt, sure. which matches uh, the trousers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm at about forty two right now. So I'm not quite okay. halfway there, but this almost is halfway there lifelong you know collection i started when i was seven so some of them are a little bit small absolutely absolutely um so spade cooley is uh he's married uh but he's not faithful he he boozes around he he's he's always kind of he's always cheating on his wife he's always Uh, having heart attacks he has a series of heart attacks yeah just his heart just explodes every other night it feels like just (laughs) he's just just constantly bang, bang, bang yeah yeah, I mean, it's like it's, it's old, like something fell off a shelf into his yeah. heart, and then he hit the old flusher, and the whole thing boom explodes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost as if, like that's actually what gave away some of those other imposter bands. Somebody be like, "That's not Spade Cooley. He didn't have a heart attack. Yeah. He's been perfectly fine for this I mean, entire three hours." I mean, you he guys did pre- say he was loaded, so he probably had Rockefeller money. Every time he just had a heart attack, boom, right new heart. Who's missing yeah, a heart? Just no wor- no worries. Yeah. He just has a new heart. There's just a pit of dead baboons in his uh, in, at his ranch. <laughs> oh man, spades is a sick uh, Oh, so wait, he, wait, he, you hi- no he hires he hires a singer, Ella Mae Evans, who's this like gorgeous blonde. 
Uh, he starts uh, ha- having some fun with her. Uh, decide decides. Apparently, he he divorced his wife, but I think he might have even married Ella May even before he actually officially divorced his first wife. But they get married. She starts having kids right away, and he's like, "Well, this isn't going to work for the band. So I'm sending you're not my wife, not you're not my singer. I'm sending you off to the he, Mojave Desert. He stashes her. In, he stashes her in the Mojave Desert, and is like, "Now I'm going to continue my career." And you're yeah. going to hang out and raise kids. Right. And you're going you're to stay, you know, at the home, be the housewife. And I'm going to go around, bang everybody I can in Southern California and drink and do as many drugs as possible. And you go ahead and do that. Uh, the problem with that is. The show, as I said at the start of the show, the American dream. Right. Exactly. And if you're exactly. listening and you're judging, I have one question for you. Are you the king of Western swing? <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. Probably not. No, you don't know me, Ken. I maybe I am. (laughs) You're not. Okay, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. Um, the The problem with the only problem, I should say, the only problem with constantly cheating on your spouse (laughs) is that you get so crazy that you start thinking that your spouse is then constantly cheating on you. Because if you're doing it, then she's obviously doing it. He's projecting that behavior. And gets kind of crazy about his wife because he thinks that she is dancing. She's she's stepping out of the relationship. Apparently, at one point, she does admit to having a, a short affair with the one and only Mr. Roy Rogers. Yeah, like like 20 or 30 years earlier or something like that. Right. But well, other than that, it's cool. I did look over that timeline and it was when she said she had it was after he had married Dale Evans, which I thought was kind of interesting. So oh, wow. Well, it sounds like good old Roy was stepping out as himself. Right. Yeah. But he was, and of course, Roy, Roy denied it. But, you know, he's Roy Rogers. Yeah. The king of roast beef. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that was part of their, that was part of the rivalry, too, is that Spade just, his roast beef was awful. I mean, the Spade Cooler <laughs> restaurant chain just absolutely knows that. It's all in the horsey sauce. He had terrible horsey sauce. And mm-hmm. that's what it was. That was the problem. I mean, how many times have you been to, a highway rest stop and gone to a spade coolies. Never, never, unless, no never once. Unless you're down south. No. So, uh, so things are riding high. He's going crazy. He's got this terrible uh, anger problem, though. He's he's like just maniac. He, he's he's a multi multi millionaire. Uh, he's on top of the world, but he just the power goes to his head. He's drinking. He's doing drugs. He's banging around. He's heart uh, attacking. He, he's got yeah yeah terrible temper. Uh, so in 1956, rock and roll starts becoming a bit of a thing. Swing music and especially and country music is kind of becoming a little passe. Right. He's not as popular as he once was. The The, the wave has crested. Uh, his show gets canceled in 1956. It's a wildly popular show. So in the late 50s, he decides, well, all right, I had a good run. I have millions and millions and millions of dollars. I am going to do the logical thing. Right. It's time to retire. He's, he's not charting I'm, anymore. The the, the yeah. fans are not turning out the way they have. He's decided mm-hmm. it's time to call it a career and move on to the next phase. Yeah. And just be, become like and this is the part where he becomes a little bit more sane and a little bit more grounded. He's like, I'm going to become a family man. I'm going to move back with my wife and kids and I'm going to become a businessman. I'm retiring from music and I am going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to take all of my money. 
and open up a gigantic water skiing park but in where? the middle of the Mojave Desert. In the middle of the desert? That sounds like a terrible yeah. place to put a water park. No, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. He saw that uh, one Mr. Walt Disney opened up Disneyland and he's like, I'm going to open up a water skiing park in the middle of the Mojave Desert. 50 and miles so he, from the closest city. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and 50 miles back in the 40s, it wasn't just like you're right. hopping yeah, right. you know, on a car. Real Cars only there. went it's, eight miles an hour back then. Right. Exactly. 50 that miles. Was that seven, was like a four day trek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets these investors and he puts tons of his money in to try to build this water park and uh, fails miserably and starts losing all of his money and his mind. I feel and, like, I feel like, like there's probably no greater high than running a successful water park. And I feel like there's <laughs> low than seeing your water park, like going underwater, like, like absolutely yeah. hemorrhaging money. Like, like, cause there's gotta be, you know, that the other guys in the business community are just laughing at you, like, you know, for having $15 million and deciding to put it all into a water park. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's got to be one of the lowest of the lows. So I don't know that this happened. Uh, this is just uh, speculation, but I like to picture him and Roy Rogers, like discussing like, all right, like we've had good careers. It's time for the next thing. And Roy was like, I think I'm going to open up like a, a, a chain of burger joints. <laughs> I think that's, right. pe you know, people love to eat and this yeah. fast food craze seems like it's a thing. And then Spade was like, what are you out of your fucking mind? Water park in the desert. That's where it's at. Right. Ex exactly. Yeah. I, I, I just pictured it as sort of like a waiting for Godot of Spade <laughs> Cooley and Roy Rogers. I mean, just two men sitting there. Well, I feel like maybe it was just like, maybe it was like, well, like maybe maybe Roy Rogers was like, I'm gonna open, I'm gonna open up a soda a soda stand. And Spade Cooley said, Oh yeah, well, I'm gonna open up a, a, a hot dog stand. And then Roy Rogers was like, Oh really? Well, I'm gonna open a hamburger restaurant. And Spade Cooley said, Oh yeah, well, I'm gonna open up the largest water park in the Mojave Desert. <laughs> Wait, you know what else I'm picturing? Like maybe Roy was just fucking. Like maybe Roy like did one of these to uh, Dale Evans and was like, Watch this. Like, hey, Spade, I'm thinking of opening a water park in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you know? And then Spade was like, fuck you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it bigger and better. Yeah. Now, and Roy, you're going to be my stand-in. Roy's just like filling with his lasso, just trying not to like look and <laughs> giggle too much. He's just looking down, doing some rope work. And 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 Spade's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to set up a water. I'm going to be water skiing in the desert. Um. By the way, another T-shirt idea, uh, Spade Cooley's Water Wonderland, Mojave that's, Desert, California. That's what he was going to call it. Yeah, that's, that's actually not a bad idea. That's a T-shirt right there. Kids would love it. Yeah, your earlier shirt idea was was pretty silly, Chip, but I, that, one, <laughs> that one is, like, I don't know if you noticed, but my eyebrows kind of perked up a little bit. They did, and, they did uh, yeah. Yeah, and the smile went away from my face and the businessman ethos took over my body and i think that you're onto something real hot yeah spade coolies water water wonderland and it's just somebody you can see somebody maybe even like the girls in a pyramid on water skis like just through some 
cacti and, the, and tumbleweeds. Think, I was going to say, I just think it's a cactus and a rattlesnake. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> a cactus with a snorkel on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we've Something got it. We, okay. we, we can spitball offline. Yeah. By, by the way, a uh, little side note. I, w- I was out in, in Los Angeles two years ago. I was working out there for a while. And I was walking to my office one day. Just, just it was like a Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. In, in, in the valley, just like in Burbank. And a tumbleweed crossed my path. It was the first time in my life I saw a tumbleweed in person. And it was the most one of the most shocking things I've ever seen. Now, I've I've lived a very boring life. I have to say that. But just to be in the middle of Burbank and just see a tumbleweed uh, go across the street is uh, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And right at that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to build a water slide. That was my first thought. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I feel like now's not the time to argue, but I feel like Ken and I are trying to run a pretty tight show here. Uh, and Chip, you just keep riffing. Um, if we could just keep the narrative tighter. Yeah, let's get um, to think- the good stuff. Yeah. Well, so anyway, uh, so anyway, Spade Cooley had a number of business associates, two of which were two gentlemen who were uh, they seemed very fond of each other. They seemed like uh, two gentlemen who uh, neither of them found the right gal. They're very fond of each other. Uh, They also seemed to be fond of LMA. They became friends with LMA. Well, immediately, the first thing that comes to Spade's mind is um, these two gentlemen are homosexuals. And they have also roped LMA into the thing that was going on, probably the only thing that was more popular in the 1950s than Western Swing, which was a free love sex cult. There were free love sex cults all over, just raging across the country. Yes. And that's where he was convinced. That's where he was convinced these two two gentlemen were uh, roping his wife into uh, a crazy cult of free sex. Right, which was huge in the 50s. A lot of people yeah. don't know that's where the beaver and leave it to beaver. That's where they got the name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't sad days. It was happy days. <laughs> Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes. My cycle humps. Ready to race to you. These days are all. So, um, so he just becomes crazy and he's abusive with LMA verbally, uh, mentally, physically abusive, just beating her all the time. Cause he's just convinced that she's having affairs with all these men, including these two gentlemen, uh, so much so that she, in 1961, she actually goes into the hospital for a nervous breakdown and, um, and basically, she has a nervous breakdown because she's afraid and convinced that Spade Coley is going to kill her. 
Right. And I think that she's on she's on record as telling people like I need help getting out of this spade. Cooley is going to kill me. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And when people were like, oh, well, then you must be crazy. Your husband uh, is a breadwinner and uh, he would never uh, do something like. Right. But also it's like the, the goofy singing cowboy that everybody remembered, you know, from the B movies. It's like. It'd be like trying to tell people like, oh, my Mr. Rogers beats me when the cameras turn off. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like who would believe it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, So he basically like claims that he has tapped her phone lines and knows that she's having an affair with these two guys. And she wasn't. But what she was trying to do was she was taking little by little money because the money is just being hemorrhaged. There's very little money left. You know, he's got all these expenses. Nothing's coming in anymore. Uh, So she's little by little trying to just sock away some money so she can leave him. uh, And she's giving it to these two guys uh, just so they can hold it for her so she can make a break for it. And then she'll have a little bit of money so she can land on her her feet. Um, You know, apparently there was a point where she went to her sister's house to get away. He shows up, starts beating her, beats the hell out of the brother-in-law. I mean, it was just just (laughs) that was so crazy to me, like to show up at your brother-in-law's house. (laughs) <laughs> I yeah. fucking kick his ass. That's just exactly. <laughs> that's insane to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, that this is my brother-in-law. You know, like usually you you get along somewhat. You're you're at Thanksgiving and all the holidays together. Imagine yeah. being like, oh, spade cool, like oh, the 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 singing cowboy dudes, my brother-in-law, and then he just shows up one day and beats you senseless and fucking drags his wife out by her hair. Yeah. Um. So um, so then it leads up to uh, 1961. So this is sort of where, Johnny, this is where you've sort of dropped off with your studies. Is that is that true? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So up to this point, uh, once again, a great American story, <laughs> uh, tremendous hero um, and just an all around a wonderful man. And that's as far as mm-hmm. I got. Um, also, okay. water, water park entrepreneur. Um, yep. Yeah, uh, he was the first guy that ever built a water park without water. Yes, uh, you know, which yes. is the drawback, I guess some would say, of starting one in the desert. But I think it was just kind of revolutionary. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so Ken, yeah. he he uh, he's convinced that his wife is going to leave him, and I think she basically tells him at one point that, "Look, I'm out of here. I'm right. done. I, I got to do this." Right? Uh, he doesn't take too kindly to it. He's He's drunk all the time. Uh, he he has this business meeting that's like this terrible business meeting out in the Mojave Desert because, of course, he's trying to build a water park. Yeah. And uh, like we fucking so, told you, it was like, you remember that Simpsons when Homer spends all his money betting on the Washington generals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, li- this is literally what, what's happening to this gentleman. Um, so he shows he shows up one day and i don't want to get too into details with uh with exactly what happened i will uh okay so um he uh he shows up to the house and his wife's basically like i'm leaving you right and i forget the exact situation here uh but then he just uh both the kids were his kid the kids were out uh, at the time they were their friend's house so there's and there's I've I've seen a couple different things that said that the daughter Melody was home the whole time. And then I saw another one that said she was at a friend's and, and then came she came back in the middle at one point. Right. Yeah. And uh, Spade 
starts to just like brutally. And it was like, oh, I heard this guy killed his wife. Right. That was like the story that I heard. He's this country music guy kills his wife. Right. That's Uh, what that's what got us hooked. That's what I Googled country stars who killed their wives to see what would come up. This gentleman's story came up. I, I, I sent it to Chip. Chip read the first three sentences and was like, this is who we're doing next week. We had no idea yeah. how bad it actually got. Right. So over the next couple, like almost hours, it seems like just brutally tortures this woman, his, his wife, Ella May, and, uh, and, and, and murders her in front of his 14 year old daughter, Melody, who Melody. Just came he in called part of now it. the, the, a few of the stories I read says he called her at his friend's house at her friend's house. I was like, you need yeah. to come home and see your mom. And yeah. she was like, okay. And she came home and he had been beating her nearly to death the entire yeah. time. He, um, she comes home and her mom is now in her final moments and yeah. Spade Cooley instructs her to come in the room to watch. He was like, you need to see this. This is what happens when you try and leave me and yeah. kicks her in the stomach a bunch of times. And then um, he can't tell whether or not she's dead. And yeah. he puts a lit cigarette out on both of her breasts. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you could have held a mirror up maybe to the like that. Uh, I'll, I'll say <laughs> right. this. If, if you guys won't yeah, go say with it, the mirror, route. that yeah. crosses the line. I think that was a bit much. But yeah. um, he beat he essentially beats her to death in front of her daughter, in front of their yeah. daughter. And I don't know, Johnny, I don't know if you have I don't know if you have kids. Um, I have a daughter and I'll tell you, like, that's that's a teachable moment, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, and, you know, that, you got to show her what happens if you try and leave. Right, right, right. If you try and cross, if you try and cross uh, <laughs> members of the family. Um, so that brings to mind a, uh, you know, a lot of people just want to portray this one sidedly as if he was some sort of monster. And, um, you know, but I was uh, reading comments on YouTube and I found one. That- <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is Johnny showed this to me yesterday. Uh, this is one of the my favorite comments I've ever seen on the internet. Uh, now, now we have to say that that this what he did was just one of the most and like I listen to murder podcasts. I, I'm a true crime guy. This was one of the most drawn out horrific. It, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was. We're 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 laughing about it because it was almost a yeah. hundred years ago. So you can make fun of murders then, but he spent hours and hours torturing and beating her. Like, I mean, it, it was horrendous. Like, like what what started out as like a funny story of like, OK, this is like a goofy story, like was literally like I'm reading this just like shocked. And I, I don't get shocked by much, but this was awful. Like this was just terrible, terrible, terrible um, and, and just sadistic, sadistic guy. But Johnny did find a comment on one of these uh, on one of these uh, sites. Right. So I so I found this old documentary about him. That's probably like 20, 25 years old. It was like 15 minutes long. It was like perfect for mm-hmm. prep for this kind of thing. So and it interviewed like a lot of the the people involved because back 
25 years ago, they were still alive. So, um, so it talked to a lot of the folks and, you know, I learned a little bit and I was, you know, made the horrible, horrible mistake that each of us occasionally make. And that is to read comments under anything on YouTube. Um, (laughs) I only read the comments. I don't even watch the videos. I just go straight to the comment section. So I'm just going to give this comment. And this is actually recent. This is just a month ago. This is from Greg B. I won't give his last name. Um, great, Greg B. writes, great history. Oh, this is, the, this is the Greg you were looking for, I think, wasn't it, Johnny? <laughs> yeah. Was this the Greg you were thinking of earlier? Greg, take it away. <laughs> take it away, Greg. Great history. I just learned about Spade reading a book about Laurel Canyon. He seems like a good man. What he did was wrong. But he gave her a great life, and she started sleeping around with multiple men. Every human has a snapping point. <laughs> well, there's your counterpoint. Uh, I don't know if we want to put this into the, you know, just kind of chew on that a little bit, uh, or if you want to dive right into it and kind of say what you like and what you don't like about Greg's uh, basic uh, moral code. Well, I think Greg understood that he was dealing with the king here. Yeah, he's the ki- he's, he's not the prince of Western Swing. Yeah. He is the king. He just goes to show. No, no. Who in their right mind in 2020 or whatever year this was, uh, the YouTube video was put out uh, within the last few, uh, feels the need to defend a psychotic (laughs) killer. It's like Like, this is how broken our society is. I don't want to get all social on here, but like the man is a monster and was just a just a horrible the the but this greg s or greg b decides to go on and say you know what we all we all, you know we all have our moments mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah, like yeah. listen oj was a bad guy but his twitter feed is fire you know like yeah uh well what what, what oj what oj did wasn't cool but have you seen naked gun like this is what we're <laughs> This is what we're dealing with. <laughs> so, you know, like we're we're make we're making light of this, but um we're having a good time here. But um I actually found online last night the original the interrogation from the police to Spade Cooley. They made a recording of it back in 1960 or 61. And this is at three in the morning. This is just hours after the police showed up. And it is insane. And and by the way, so basically what he does is he does these terrible, terrible things and then claims that she slipped in the shower and fell. <laughs> oh, I slipped in the shower. And that's what happened. Like, that's literally what he did. Like how stupid he was to think that like people would be, oh, yeah, she slipped in the shower. But then, you know, so they take the hospital. She's basically, you know, well, he he gave, he gave it a little backstory. So it didn't sound too insane. Yeah. He, he, he was like, right. she hasn't eaten in day. I've been telling her for weeks she needs to eat more. So she was probably pretty weak. And uh, he claims that they did get into an argument and he slapped her with his open hand and it wasn't that hard. And he slapped her maybe two or three times because she had become hysterical. And Mm -hmm. um, then uh, they were arguing about wanting to get back together, which doesn't even make sense, because if you both want to get back together, that doesn't sound like an argument. 
And um, she claims, he claims that she says, you have no idea how much I, here's how much I love you. And she grabs the cigarette out of his mouth and puts it out on her own breasts to show him how much she loves him. And he does it with a com- completely just complete confidence tells this. He's, he's just saying this as calmly as we're here talking. He had just savagely beaten a woman to death. And he's talking about how she put the cigarette out on her chest and then realized that it hurt. So she wanted to go shower, but she was weak because she hadn't she hadn't eaten in, in, in several days. And she got into the shower and slipped and crashed through something glass, although he doesn't know what it was because he didn't bother to go look. And that's why there was blood all over the walls and the ceiling. And he keeps saying, I'm confident that when you do the autopsy report, you're going to find that she died of a concussion. And they have this whole conversation. The 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 officer just keeps saying, and then what happened? And then Spade Cooley doesn't even call the ambulance right away. He calls his manager first. He's like, "Oh, I I I think I beat LMA, and uh, she's 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 not great." And then he was like, "Well, call an amb- like what are you calling me? Call an ambulance." They finally call the ambulance. The ambulance calls the police, and then he just tells them that she fell down in the shower. And she's beaten, savagely beaten. And um, at the end, the cop's just like, okay. He was like, the only thing is uh, I I don't want to put, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to draw my own conclusions, but your hands are both swollen and bloody. And that feels consistent with somebody beating somebody else. And he was like, oh no, he says the right hand I, 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 I was very angry. Sometimes I have a temper and I hit, I never hit people, although I did hit a dude recently. <laughs> he said, I never hit people, but recently I hit a guy and he mm-hmm. says that he punched a car and that his hand had been bloodied and bruised for days because uh, he punched a car. And then the officer was like, okay, well, can you explain your left hand? And he was just like, nope. <laughs> Just no explanation for what happened to the other hand. You think if you have a right hand story, you'd have a left hand story. You would you think, think he'd, he'd have that yeah. in the chamber. You think as he's giving the right hand story, he was probably like, they're not even going to ask about the left. Like, I've got this story so locked down, they're not even going to ask about the left hand. Right, right. So he's they, like, he's like, he's like the serial killer that like is convinced that he's committed the perfect crime, but like he left his license behind. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He is so he's so calm. And then the detective at the end of it just says, well, you know, Mr. Cooley, I just want to tell you, I'm having a hard time believing this story. And Spade sounds so sincerely like, what? You're having a hard time believing this? Like, I just explained everything in perfect detail. I'm the king of Western swing. (laughs) What are you having a hard time understanding? (laughs) Right. Uh, how many custom cowboy outfits do you have, uh, officer? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they decide to, to uh, charge him with murder. Uh, they take him to trial. Uh, this is big. They said it's bigger than the OJ trial. Like at the time. At the time, it's the was- crime of the it's the trial of the century. It's a total yeah. media circus. Um, 
the star witness in putting him away is his own 14-year-old daughter. She yeah. goes up there. She tells the whole story of everything she saw. He has another heart attack while she's testifying. Yeah. He can't he a heart stop. Attack in, every, time, in every time he hears something he doesn't like, he has a heart attack. Yeah, he's like Fred yeah. Sanford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like Fred Sanford, but everyone was the big one. Like, they all actually were. Yeah. They, re- they really actually happened. Um, so uh, on August 19th, 1961, the jury uh, convicted him of murder and sentenced him. Uh, the judge sentenced him to life and death. They spared him the gas chamber because of his ill health. They're like, he's probably not going to last too long. We're giving him a life sentence. Yeah. So end of story. He goes to jail for the rest well, of his life. Go, the gas chamber was going to give him a heart attack. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, that would be bad, right? Yeah. So. So the story they still him, gets wilder. Like it's not even done. Yeah. This, yeah, this is the this, end yeah. of this. Buckle up. Yeah. So apparently the jury and this is by some accounts, the jury was like crying when they convicted him and almost like apologized to him because he was like so, quote unquote, beloved and this like wonderful guy, great American that Johnny believes him to be. Uh, that like people are like, there's no way he could have done this. And it was just like, it, you know, people people were just they couldn't believe what, what was going on. But he's convicted instead of going to San Quentin, where he should have gone to, which is like hard time for murderers. He goes to I think it's Vacaville State Prison, which is like a little bit more of a walk in the park. Apparently, he kind of has run of the prison. He gets to like dine with the guards. The guards love him. Like it's kind of yeah, a it was rough. like it was like good. It was like uh, when the mafia went to prison in Goodfellas. Good fellow, right. yeah. Like yeah. he just—he's he's got—he's go for- got the run of the play. He's the king of the, you know, he's the king of the jail cell too, apparently. Yeah, and uh, uh, by 1965, he basically just owned up to what he did. But he said he's a better person now. He feels remorseful. He's found God, quote unquote. He wants to be a minister, maybe. He's teaching uh, prisoners you know, how to fiddle. He's—he's he like starts a music program in prison. He's teaching them the yeah. fiddle. And, and so. And as I just, just you know, just once again to remind you, every human has a snapping point, and I think that's <laughs> right. You know, right, correct. You know, correct. That's something to keep in mind too. Yeah. Um. So now he's in jail, starting in 1961. He's apparently a, a model prisoner, but he's getting all of these. You know, he's getting this really soft. Uh, you know, sent all these conditions. He's got these great conditions, which he should have just been, you know, right. rotted away in, in San Quentin. Uh, in the late 60s, uh, Johnny's uh, favorite president of all time, Ronald Reagan, becomes governor of California. Right. Uh, and him and Spade right are old away. buddies from, uh, yeah. from the B-movies. They know each other from, from Hollywood. B-movies, Western days. And on top of that, a bunch of petitions start coming in to get Governor Reagan to uh, pardon him. They said like, pretty hey. much the instant Reagan got inaugurated, he started, he got a flood of requests to pardon Spade Cooley. I think Greg B was one of them, you know, <laughs> you know, he used the snapping point uh, mm-hmm. defense. Uh, so he, Ronald Reagan was going back for these ago. Maybe I shouldn't pardon him. I got an idea. I'll just get him paroled, paroled on a life sentence. Yeah, I'll put so, in a good word with the parole office. Yeah, so he so he uses Reagan uses his clout to get a unanimous decision from the parole board that the ill health Cooley uh, is going to be paroled on February 22nd, 1970, which is Spade's 60th birthday. So they're like, all right, in a couple months, 
1970, on your 60th birthday. We're letting you out. He's going to do less than nine years for one of the most brutal murders I've right. ever heard of. Right. Just nine years, and he's yes. going to walk. Yeah. Uh, a few months before that happened, um, he they they let him out on a weekend furlough. You know, to get him ready for the outside, you know, because he's only he's murdered one person. Come on. Right. So they they furlough him to go up to do a benefit concert for the Alameda County Sheriff's Department. He goes up there and performs with his orchestra, with some sort of band. His orchestra. does three. Yeah, he does three songs, uh, gets basically a standing ovation from the audience members, walks off stage for the intermission and is telling his friends that are back there and the other people, he's like, boy, I didn't know if they'd be ready for me yet or, you know, kind of forgive me, but they seem to love me. I'm riding high. Things are pretty good. Things are starting to turn around for me. I really think today is the first day of the rest of my life, which technically was the case. (laughs) That turns out to be his final words. Uh, Those are the last things that he ever said. It was apparently today is the first day of the rest of my life slumps over and has a massive heart attack that kills him at age 59. He fucking dies like Dewey Cox. If you saw walk hard, <laughs> he fucking dies like Dewey Cox. If the Dewey Cox just one who's like, I just got to remember everything in my life that led up to this point. And you could picture him doing that and then going out yeah. and having this fucking set. And then remember, like the very last scene of Dewey Cox was like Dewey dropped dead four seconds after this performance. <laughs> <laughs> he Dewey Coxed. He Dewey Coxed. Uh, never got to build the rest of the water park. Um, That's uh, the big shame. And then there are some other reports that apparently he was about to get the news that Reagan was actually going to pardon him. Yeah, that so, was the surprise waiting for him after the show was that Reagan changed his mind and was going to give him a full pardon. You know, just great decision by uh, by the Gipper right there um, and uh, dies of a massive heart attack at 19 uh, in, uh, at the age of 59. Yeah, but you got to keep in mind, like he may have tortured and killed his wife, but it's not like he sold a nickel bag of pot. I mean, you can't put the guy right. in prison. Ever. Forever. No, yeah. not not anything dangerous like that. Exactly. Selling marijuana. You know how much a nickel bag of pot was back then? It was like 15 <laughs> ounces. <laughs> I was like trafficking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, it, it, to go to go back a year in 1960, before this terrible thing happened, uh, he was actually given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and as of at least recently, unless it's changed, he's the only convicted murderer to have a star. On the Hollywood. Oh, I was going to say, what about OJ? But OJ was never convicted. Not convicted. Yeah. So um, that is the story. That's the story of Spade Cooley. Mm -hmm. The king of Western Swing. Uh, Johnny, uh, now you came into this podcast as an expert, uh, but only up till 1960, a Spade's Cooley life. Any changes to your thesis? No, um, you know, I think that uh, I think overall, I mean, I think, you know, I'd like to quote my good friend, Greg B. He seems like a good man. Um, right. Right. But that's not something that's going to go away just because he made one little mistake. You know, that that's the problem sure. with you know cancel culture. You know, you torture and beat your wife for hours on end and all of a sudden everybody wants to cancel you. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, yeah. He, he wouldn't have lasted long today. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he was know, he, he was out at the appropriate time. Yeah, back when America yeah. was great, um, you could you know you could do something like that and not get canceled. Right. I mean, you could do something like that and still perform to raucous crowds. Yeah. Um, you know the the libtards ruined everything, and now it's just you know they're just throwing people in jail for murder. Johnny, you, you said your wife anymore, Chip? Uh, exactly. You said something very interesting, Johnny. You said back when America was great. What if new T-shirt idea? Make America great. Dot dot dot. Again, what do you think about that? That's brilliant. No, I don't think that'll sell. I don't think. I don't think people are looking for that right now. All right, guys, uh, we we gotta we gotta Johnny, wrap Johnny, this up. Oh yeah, we do. We it, uh, Johnny, just by, by the way, uh, it, it, from your opinion, we do have to leave. Uh, Ronald Reagan, greatest president of your lifetime or greatest president of all time? Uh, greatest president of the last all time, all time. All, time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Johnny. Good times. If that's your real name. Um, you have anything to plug? You were, you were, thank you so much for coming on and doing this, by the way, you were, you, this was delightful. I, I, uh, I, it's fun meeting someone talking over murder porn. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It really is a great way. To uh, I want to thank, uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank Chip. I want to thank Kahuna. Most of all, I want to thank Greg B. Uh, and- <laughs> we got to find that guy. I'm going to see if I can find him. Let's get him on. Yeah, no, nah, he'd be a much better guest, but I thought I was okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, uh, just, you know, you can check out my podcast. I got one called Worthless Knowledge. Uh, I've got another one called The Philly Blunt. That one's an interview podcast. We interview various characters around Philadelphia. The, the Worthless uh, Knowledge one is one where we more just talk about goofy shit. Um, so uh, you can find both of them, Spotify, iTunes, uh, wherever else. And uh, just check out what else I'm doing on the website, johnnygoodtimes.com. All right. Well, Chip. thank you, Johnny. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us uh, with uh, with our great talk about uh, Spade Cooley, another fun king episode. of Western Swing. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>